this is Dr. Mubeen Sayyid with one more episode of Long Story Short with Dr. Bean from the FLCCC platform. The discussion today is interesting. What I'm going to present to you is that how messenger RNA vaccines can, in some people, induce multiple sclerosis. So this is not an epidemiology lecture. This is not a lecture about how many people get injured. Instead, this is a lecture about a couple of cases of multiple sclerosis that developed soon after the vaccination and the mechanism that demonstrates or shows how this disease, multiple sclerosis, could occur after a vaccination. So let's start that discussion. So here are some references. This is flccc.net. And over here, you'll find treatment protocols, medical evidence, COVID resources, educational events, news and webinars, etc. So make sure that you give it a look. Then the study that I'm going to be discussing today is printed in Sage journals and it is printed in their October 2022 issue. And what is that study or that article? Here is that study. So now I have the journal open. All of these links are present in the description. So this is the 0942. COVID-19 vaccination can induce multiple sclerosis via cross-reactive CD4 plus or positive T cells recognizing SARS-CoV-2 spike protein and myelin peptides. This is what I'm going to explain. Again, this is not an epidemiology study. This is a case series of two people who developed MS after the mRNA vaccination and the researchers took their blood and their cerebrospinal fluid and looked into the cells and saw how those cells were behaving and why did they attack the myelin sheath. So that's the basic discussion. Let's start. Now, in addition to this, there are some more references here as well. For example, this is a reference to a study where the Epstein-Barr virus is responsible for creating multiple sclerosis. And if you can connect the dots here, Epstein-Barr virus reactivation has been seen after the infection or vaccination in some people. So that means this also may be another path where the vaccine or the infection could cause the EBV reactivation, reactivation which in turn then can cause MS as well. So it seems like there might be multiple points or pathways to this pathology. And then because I'm going to use some of the terms for the myelin sheet proteins, I have another link here that explains what these proteins are and what are their types. I'll do my part of the explanation, but if you wanted to go in more detail, there is this article as well. So with this, let's start with my drawings. So here, once again, this is the study. This is in October 2022 issue. COVID-19 vaccination can induce multiple sclerosis via cross-reactive CD4 positive T cells. And this study is from the University Hospital Zurich Neurology, Zurich, Switzerland. And let's just look very quickly at the introduction and objectives. Introduction, they say that infection with SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus can lead to a wide range of acute and also chronic disease manifestations. The rapidly developing or developed vaccination are highly effective in preventing severe disease courses and have been proven safe. Both natural infection and to a much lower extent, the mRNA-based vaccination can be accompanied by transient autoimmune phenomena or onset of autoimmune diseases. 
So number one, I think that you and I, we all know now that for a study to talk about a vaccine, there is a standard set of sentences that you can read allows the researchers to be published more easily. So you see that set over here, but this I would give that the spike protein from the virus or the spike protein from the vaccine can both cause these kind of damages. So there is autoimmune diseases out of the infection as well. And I would also kind of add a comment here where they're saying that transient autoimmune phenomena, true, or onset, meaning new start of a disease, that is also true. And I think there is a third thing, and that is exacerbation of an existing autoimmune disease. That is also possible. So in this study, they say that our objective was to report here two cases of multiple sclerosis with clinical and new radiological signs beginning in close temporal relationship or relation to spike protein mRNA-based vaccination. So close temporal relation is that very close in time. So for example, if I got the vaccine today, then maybe two weeks later, three weeks later, a month later, I got the MS. So in this study, their aim was to establish that the onset of MS in these two cases is very likely caused by CD4 positive T cells, clones, and there the clone word is very important. And I would request you that through the rest of this talk, if you can keep in mind CD4 positive T cell clones that cross-recognize SARS-CoV-2 protein derived peptides, peptides mean proteins, and peptide derived from small chunks of protein, derived from myelin proteins, and I'll explain what that is, which have previously been implicated in multiple sclerosis. So what they're saying is that we see that there is an attack on the proteins that are present within the myelin cells, and I'll explain all of that. And these proteins have been implicated in the past in multiple sclerosis when these proteins are attacked. So in simple words, previously we know Somebody who has multiple sclerosis, in their myelin sheath, there are specific proteins that become target of the immune system. The same proteins also become a target of the immune system very closely after the vaccination. And the same, the cells that are targeting these proteins are also targeting the spike protein. So there is a cross reactivity and that is the possible link that shows that vaccine in some people could lead to multiple sclerosis. Let's continue. So here is some background to understand how does this happen. So here is a neuron. A neuron, this little red area, is the cell body of the neuron. Of course, the neurons mostly are <laughs> not smiling or have eyes, but this one has. And the neurons have many branches coming out of them like trees. And they have one long branch like a trunk of a tree. The smaller branches are called dendrites, and these are the ones through which the nerve impulses go towards the neuron, or they actually from other neurons come and end here at the dendrites, and then from there the nerve impulses goes, go to the cell body. Then if the cell decides to react, what it will do is then it will produce another set of signals, and those signals, outgoing signals, will go through the exon. Now exon, or the outgoing signal carrying fibers, which collectively make nerves, these fibers could be wrapped by another set of cells. These other set of cells are very fatty in their nature. They are filled with lipids. These cells in the central nervous system or the brain and spinal cord are called 
the oligodendrocytes and in the peripheral nerves that is a nerve that has come out of the brain or the spinal cord and is going to the tissue or coming from the tissue towards the brain and spinal cord for sensory nerves if there are cells wrapping that those nerves then these cells are called schwann cells but that wrapping this wrapping over here is called myelin sheath this myelin sheath is really important because once it is present on an axon then it's not just a protection what happens is the nerve impulse can now travel between the gaps produced these gaps are called are called nodes of ramvier and if it is a sensory nerve that is sending the signal then the signal can travel again towards the axon through those gaps so this is also called jumping type of nerve conduction or saltatory nerve conduction so simply it makes the nerve conduction fast and we need in some cases the nerve conduction to be very fast and i'll give you an example right now if you are listening and you wanted to move your finger you think about it and you can move your finger there is a synchronicity between your thought and moving the finger you don't feel that i said to move the finger and the finger moved a few seconds later there is no lag you might actually see a lag between my voice and my lips here imagine if that was happening in the real world that when i wanted to talk then a few milliseconds later my lips moved and then another few milliseconds later the vocal cords did whatever and the whole thing is in a lag so we know that does not happen and shouldn't happen on the other hand if sometimes you touch a hot surface you might actually touch that and even remove your hand after touching it without feeling the temperature and that temperature will be felt a few seconds later or a few milliseconds later you feel the lag between the touching of a hot surface and the feeling of the temperature that is because the incoming signal of the pain and temperature are usually slower because they have smaller diameter and lesser myelination and so on so it is important for myelination to be present to allow the nerve signal to run very fast so that it's almost instantaneous outcome and now imagine if this myelin sheath is not working it's not present or is damaged then the signal conduction velocity will be disrupted and all of a sudden sensory or motor activities will be impacted okay so here very quickly these are the cells so on the peripheral nerve this rounded cell that is wrapping it is called a schwann cell so how does a schwann cell develop imagine that you are wearing a ring that is the initial schwann cell and the finger is the nerve fiber then the schwann cell continues to grow and that extra ring that grows continues to wrap around the nerve that is how the schwann cells wrap around the nerves then in the central nervous system there is a cell called oligodendrocyte oligo means few dendrocytes mean cells with the dendrites or branches so oligodendrocyte cell with the few branches this is in contrast to the neuron that have a lots of dendrites so these oligodendrocytes what they do is they have multiple branches coming out of them and then the end of the branch expands and covers the neuron the same way as the schwann cell covers it's just that the cell over here is a different type of cell and it produces a lot of foot processes that wrap many nerves one schwann cell wraps just one nerve in the periphery 
So these are the lipid laden cells. Their damage can really disrupt the life of a person even to the point of putting the person on the edge of death. For example, imagine if the pharyngeal muscles, the muscles of the throat and the muscles that help us uh, swallow food, if they do not work correctly, if they are not coordinated correctly, and the food actually goes into the larynx, because let's say that the larynx is not closed correctly while we are swallowing, that can be a death hazard. So this is very important that these cells stay healthy. In multiple sclerosis patients, unfortunately, these cells start becoming damaged, the Schwann cells and the oligodendrocytes, and that gives rise to the signs and symptoms of MS. Now, the target proteins. So here, this is a neuron. Now, in this neuron, this is a myelin sheath present wrapping on it. And this little end of the myelin sheath is blown up, expanded, zoomed in, in this little structure. So every layer here is really another wrapping of the cell. So going from inwards and out towards outside, there are certain proteins that are attacked by our immune system in MS patients. What are those proteins, for example? Here is a protein on the surface of the myelin sheath or the Schwann cell. This is called myelin oligodendrocyte glycoprotein, MOG. So this protein is present on the surface. Then there are some proteins that are present inside the cells. And these are, for example, MBP here, which is the myelin basic protein, and PLP, which is the proteolipid protein. Why are we only talking about these proteins when there may be others as well? Because in the multiple sclerosis patients, these are the proteins that are attacked by the immune system more often than others. And when these are attacked by the immune system, then the result is that the myelin cell damages is damaged. And when the myelin cell is damaged, the Schwann cell or oligodendrocyte, then the myelin is damaged, the neuron doesn't have the protective layer and the signal conduction layer, and that causes disruption of the conduction and then the signs and symptoms of MS. Now, so far now we know what is a neuron, we know what is a myelin sheath, we know how it is made, we know what are the proteins that can be attacked during multiple sclerosis. Now I'm going to show you the immune system structure because we have to talk about CD4 positive T cells. So the question is, what are these T cells? So let's look at this. Imagine this is a macrophage or a dendritic cell. This is the part of the innate immune system. Here is a pathogen. This could be a spike protein. This could be a bacteria or a fungus or a virus or whatever. There is an offending agent here. When the cell becomes exposed to that offending agent, then what it does is, if it is a dendritic cell or a macrophage, it's going to eat it up, which is called phagocytosis, and then it's going to break it down into smaller pieces. And then if you see here on the back of the cell, this little black thing on a molecule, it will present the pieces of that broken pathogen. So here, this black area is that piece. Now, this all is the acquired arm of the immune system. So this presentation of antigen is then attracted towards the naive T cells or CD4 positive T cells of the acquired immune system. These T cells will have to have a very specific binding region that can lock with the antigen structure. So not every T cell will bind here. 
a specific T cell that has a binding region on its receptor that is able to lock with the antigen is the one that will be selected. And you may say that how would this cell know that hey I should it's my turn to go bind there. Actually the macrophages with these presentations on their surface they run around throughout the body and they keep bumping with various T cells and B cells. And so it's like going around and asking every T cell that hey do you think you can bind with us this can you try to touch this antigen and see if you can bind it. And many T cells will say, no, I cannot. And many B cells will say, no, I cannot. My binding region, my hand is of different type than what we have here. And that cell will not be selected to work with this macrophage. Eventually, we'll find a cell in our body that is able to bind with this antigen. That has a binding region that can lock with this antigen. As soon as that happens, that cell is selected. Now, you may have the second question in your mind that, okay, this is one cell. How will it now respond for this army of the antigen or one cell, how would it cause autoimmune disease? And that is where, remember I said that keep the word clone in your mind, that is where the clone comes in. What happens is whatever cell is selected, then we make daughters of that cell that are clones of it. We make exact copies of that. Why do we make exact copies? Because we want the binding site to stay the same from one cell to the other. Normally when we make T cells or B cells, their binding sites are variable, they are different from each other. So imagine many babies and people born with different kind of hands. But here is one person's hand that can bind with this antigen. We want more persons of the same hand type. So if we want that, we'll have to make clones of that person. That is what happens here. This is why CD4 clones and this is also very important for this study because if there is a cell that can attack a spike protein and its clone attacks a myelin sheath, that means there is a cross reactivity. That means there is some region on the spike protein that is similar to myelin sheath and this cell is going to attack now both of them because it got activated by the spike protein. That is the gist of this whole thing. So here is this naive T cell. It has bound. This naive T cell is now selected. It will make copies of it. And those copies job is now to go and instigate an immune system response. Now what is the response? The response is on one end the naive T cell in the presence of interleukin 4 and absence of interleukin 12 and presence of even interleukin 6 can become T helper 2 cell. T helper 2 cell in turn will cause a B cell to become activated into a plasma cell. So you might have one more question that which B cell, our cell, our body is littered with B cells, all of them will become active? No, these B cells that are also bound to similar antigen, these are the ones that are ready to be activated. So imagine B cell being a cop, if it has held in its hand an enemy or an offensive agent, then you tell the B cell to become active, then it will become active and pull the antigen or offensive agent in the car and start attacking it. On the other hand, if a B cell, if a cop is just standing and there is no offensive agent nearby, you can ask it to be as much active as you like, but it would not do anything. So here, when this T helper 2 cell activates a B cell through interleukin 4 and interleukin 5, then the B cell has to be bound to some sort of an antigen and then that B cell will become active, it will be called plasma cell, plasma cell will make antibodies 
these antibodies are also the ones that can go and attack this antigen. So that is the humoral part of the adaptive immunity, antibody part. The other part, other pathway, is that this naive T-cell or CD4 positive T-cell can become converted into T-helper 1 if there is interleukin 12 present and that T-helper 1 in turn will release interleukin 2 which will then cause the cytotoxic T-cell or CD8 positive T-cell to become activated. Cytotoxic T-cell's function is to actually attack the cell that may be exhibiting or demonstrating or showing that offensive antigen. For example, the spike protein. Any cell that is showing a part of spike protein, this cytotoxic T cell would go and kill that cell. Now keep in mind, if by accident the myelin sheath has a pattern that is similar to spike protein, then this cytotoxic T cell is going to go and attack that myelin sheath and damage those cells and that would instigate MS that may be temporary, that may be new onset or that even be exacerbated. Now that may be the exacerbation is my editing, the original paper does not say that. So another thing that is important is that once T helper 1 is activated, as it releases interleukin 2 to activate the cytotoxic T cell, it releases a bunch of other interleukins as well. One of them is interferon gamma and that interferon gamma will activate the adaptive arm. So keep this interferon gamma in mind because the researchers found the T helper 1 cells to become activated and release interferon gamma against the myelin sheath. The presence of interferon gamma is kind of a sign of activity of the T cells. So these T cells are CD4 positive and that is what they're talking about. These are B cells plasma cell active one, this is CD8 positive cells. So I hope that now we have the context of the immune system as well. Now <laughs> I did all of this to present these two cases and what they found. So here is what researchers found. They saw two cases of new radiological and signs, clinical signs of multiple sclerosis in close temporal relationship to receiving messenger RNA vaccine. So researchers said of this neurology department, once they had the patients over and they saw that they developed imaging and clinical signs of the MS and these were given vaccines very recently, the researcher said, hey, why not we do some research to see why did this happen? Is there any relationship to the vaccine? And again, this is not an epidemiology study. This is just a mechanism study. So what they did was from these two people, they took their peripheral blood and their cerebrospinal fluid. Then what did they do? What they did was, from the peripheral blood, they exposed that blood to spike protein. Why did they do it? Of course, the blood of these patients would have many kinds of CD4 cells running around, many kinds of B cells and CD8 positive cells and macrophages and dendritic cells running around. They're not interested in all of them. They are interested in seeing which cells are related to spike protein reaction or reaction to the spike protein and then see if these cells would also attack the myelin sheath. So imagine you are a researcher for a second and you want to prove that spike protein activated some T cells which erroneously, incorrectly also attacked the myelin sheath. What would you do? First of all, you would want to isolate those T cells that are activated by the spike protein. 
then once you have isolated them you will have their clones or their copies in the presence of myelin sheath and see if these cells are going to attack the myelin sheath if they do then you have a proof that spike activated some cells that are also attacking the myelin sheath this is cross reactivity this is an autoimmune disease maybe temporary or permanent so that's what they were trying to do so here they put some spike in the fluids and out of all the T cells those T cells that were able to bind with the spikes these got selected so they got bound and they isolated these cells of course after isolating them they cultured them they increased them in number because the ones that are already bound are bound so what they did was they took them and they increased them in number then what they did was they presented these cells so imagine all of these cells here are the ones that attacked or their clones were attacking the spike protein so these are spike protein reactive T cells now in the culture of these T cells they put the myelin proteins which proteins MOGs and other proteins that we talked about MBP myelin basic protein and proteolipids PLP protein right they put those protein here these little lines are the representation of those little proteins and they wanted to see if these cells will become active and they observed that the cells became active how did they observe by presence of interferon gamma in the supernatant supernatant is the fluid there which was a demonstration of these cells have become active so that was a shock for me I'm sure it is for them as well but they proved it then to double check their work what they did was they took these cells once more and said now let's expose them back to the spike protein and see they would continue to attack them or are we just wrong in picking up some cells from the spike culture and thinking these may be spike reacting cells and maybe they were not they were actually the myelin reacting cells so they took these cells that were reacting to myelin and once again exposed these cells back to the spike and wanted to observe if they will attack the spike and sure enough interferon gamma start getting produced that means the cells they isolated that were reacting to spike these cells also reacted to myelin then they took clones of these cells and put them back with the spike and they reacted to spike as well this is called cross reactivity this proved that these cells that were activated by the spike protein reacted to spike plus to myelin sheath giving rise to multiple sclerosis now they of course they haven't been able to tell us it was temporary or long term because for long term they have to observe them more so this is the discussion now another question might be in your mind that can this be other autoimmune diseases as well so yes that could be and could this be spike regardless of where it comes from yes that is also possible but in this particular case these were mRNA based vaccines and two cases of people who developed new onset multiple sclerosis signs clinical signs and imaging signs and the neurology department ran these tests and did this research which we are seeing so thank you very much for listening in and i will talk to you next time bye for now